Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. This Thursday is national holiday, national Thanksgiving. If you Google Thanksgiving, you'll find that there's an argument going on always um, as they speak about what day really Thanksgiving was or what day should people really uh, uh, call as being the day of Thanksgiving. Some people argue that it happened somewhere in St. Augustine, Florida in the 1500s and whatever. And other people think about Plymouth Rock and the discovering of America and Columbus and the natives and all these things. But for the sake of argument, uh, we'll just let whatever be. And let's just go ahead with, with Thursday being our Thanksgiving day. Amen? Just forget the argument. Let's all eat. But anyway, it's a special time. When it comes to Thanksgiving, we as Christians know that Thanksgiving really was instituted a long time before this Thursday or this national day that we call it was in a different time, a different land, and a different people. It was the Lord himself that instituted the day of thanks. We know it today is Communion Sunday when we partic- uh, participate of that table of thanksgiving. But you'll go back several thousand years and you'll find out that the Lord instituted this particular table that all people might give thanks. But not only that moment, but every time they sat down to participate at the table, that their hearts would always be thankful for everything God has done for them. Exodus 12 and 26, the Lord told them that they would celebrate this day as a fasting ordinance, as a lasting ordinance rather for generations to come. Verse 26 in Exodus 12 says, and When your children ask, what does this ceremony mean? That is the table of thanks. Then tell them that it is a Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. Then the people bowed down, some translations say, and gave thanks. This people giving thanks for what the Lord and the Lord only and alone could do. That was spare their lives. I wanted us to sit together this morning as we consider some of those things that I believe you and I can always be thankful for. This table of communion. Can somebody help sister with a glass? Uh, Ushers, would you somebody uh, bring some water for sister here? She's needing some. Thanksgiving is such a special moment that sometimes we get all so involved in in, uh, the celebrating part of it, the logistical part of it, the, the activity part of it, that we forget the heart issue of it. I'm wondering how many of us think about Thanksgiving or will think about Thanksgiving after next week. Once the holiday is over, out of sight and out of mind. Kind of like Christmas. 
Christmas comes, Christmas goes, a few weeks later you're back to work, and Christmas is history, no longer thoughts about all that took place and all what it meant. And I believe it is such with thanksgiving for many, many people. It's so important for us to remember that thanksgiving is something that all of us should celebrate on a daily basis. Just like for the people of Israel, when the nation got together, they knew exactly why they came together. It wasn't all about seeing family they had not seen. It wasn't always about making the travel to the holy city just to travel and see the big city around them. But they knew specifically why they were going to go. They were going to go to give thanks. As a matter of fact, that celebration of thanksgiving was an ordinance, as the Lord said. A lasting ordinance for everyone. And if you read a little history on this whole event, you'll find that Jewish people that did not go to the city to participate in this day of thanksgiving sometimes were ostracized. They were looked at with a frown like, why didn't you come? There was no excuse, well, I was working. Uh, there was no excuse that, well, we actually went to Disney World and we were going to go, but we decided this year to do something different. That excuse would not work in the Jewish community for those who were making the travel to the holy city. It was a lasting ordinance of the Lord. And they expected everyone who they received in that city, they expected everyone to know why they were there. You see, all of them knew how good God was. All of them were supposed to know and have at heart how powerful God was. Every family that traveled from near and far knew deep in their heart how full of love God was. And knowing these things about him, how could you not be motivated to come to the holy city to give thanks? How could you forget such a day? Everyone that would make their way knew exactly why they were thankful. They knew exactly why they were going to participate in this event. They knew exactly why. They demanded and commanded of their whole family to go and spend time in the holy city giving thanks. Are you thankful this morning? I mean truly thankful. And if you are, stop for a minute before you answer me. Why are you thankful? Think of the things that make you most thankful because you have a job maybe, you have a family, you found a girl, you found a boy, or you passed your test, or this or the other. All these things are good, but when it comes to your walk with God, why are you really thankful if you really are? And what does that thankfulness compel you to do when it comes to living for God? It's easy to say when someone, it's easy to see when someone is thankful. You'll see it in their demeanor. You hear it in their language. You see it in their actions. These people are a thankful people. When we come to worship with a thankful heart, you see it in the face of the church. Why they're here 
they're not all here because of the music. They're not all here because of the pastor. They're not all here because this is where they get together for lunch at midday. No, no, no. They know exactly. You know exactly why you're here. You know exactly why you're thankful. What makes you thankful this morning? Can you examine the reasons in your heart? What really, what things really make you most thankful for? In your walk with God. Let me just give you three, just in case. Yes, we're supposed to be thankful for his provisions. Yes, we're supposed to be thankful for our children. We're supposed to be thankful for our wives, for our husbands, our family members. We're supposed to be thankful for each other. How many are thankful for each other? I'm thankful that you're here, yes? Give the Lord a praise for you. Yeah, I'm thankful for you. We love you. I love you. You are special. I, I give thanks to God because of you. It's good to be thankful for our employment. It's thankful, being thankful for our finances, thankful for good health. All these things are good to be thankful about. But when it comes to our walk with God, when it comes to how he found us and what he's done for us, let me offer you three things and I'll finish this morning. One, be thankful for your forgotten yesterday. Think about that just for a second. Thankful for your past left behind. Don't you know what the Bible says that every single one of us was short of his glory? Do you remember the Bible telling us that there is, the Bible reminding us that there is not one righteous in this world? Did you know that the Bible says that all of us were birthed out of sin? Short of ever reaching even the heels of God. Do we not remember that our flesh produces nothing but lust and lying and cheating and coercion, hatred and all these things in this flesh? Something we can be thankful for as we have come to trust in the Lord that all of that is behind us. See, the people of Israel were thankful. As the Lord gave them this lasting ordinance, they were to be thankful for one thing. You see, these people had been in bondage for 400 years. They had been in bondage under the iron grip of Pharaoh. They were in bondage serving a master without reward at all, a people that had no esteem, possession, or position. They had no expected or anticipated joy for tomorrow. They just simply existed. That's it. They had no inheritance. They had nothing promised to them. But the Bible tells us that one day the Lord heard their cry. One day the Lord heard the cry of his people. He saw their slavery and he felt their pain. And from the middle of the desert, he raised the man Moses to go and to speak deliverance to those people and bring them out. God was getting ready to change their lives completely from the life they used to know to a new life that God had prepared for them. 
And Moses was the mouth of God when he went to speak to Pharaoh. And of course, you know the story how he resisted and God had to send those plagues. And by the force of his righteous hand, he forced Pharaoh to fall to his knees. And all the people of God left Egypt to a place that for them, the Bible says, would be their own. Such a beautiful place described as a land of flowing milk and honey, a place unseen, unheard of by everyone in that group of prisoners. You know, when I think about that, I think about us. For us, in similar fashion, that was our life as well. Before we came to Christ, we too were slaves to sin. Amen. We too did not have a good identity. We had also not good esteem, value, or significance. And all of us, just like them, were nothing more than just existing and living each day. But the Bible says that one day Jesus heard our cry. Him knowing that every single one of us, as the Bible says, were separated from him. As the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, without God in this world. But here's the beautiful part about it that we can be thankful for. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. If you need something to be thankful for, ladies and gentlemen, this coming Thursday as you sit at that table, be thankful than, more than for just the material things that we have in this world. Be thankful that the Lord does not count your sins of yesterday in your present life today. Be thankful that God saw us all as prisoners without hope, without inheritance. He saw our pain and our suffering he saw our sin and the death threatening us on a daily basis and expected outcome of our eternity would be a Christless eternity. But he came to change it. And not only change it, but he came to cast it away from us. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west in the sea of forgetfulness. Every single one of us, just like them, let us be thankful for our forgotten past thank God you know the Bible says that he who has forgiven much love much you know I love God a lot I do because only he knows where I've been and what I've done and that in his forgiveness of me proves to me the power of his blood and I don't know what you've done in your life or how bad your past was. But I'll tell you what, it was bad enough for Jesus to give his life. Amen? Some people may have the opinion, well, I was never a bad guy. I never did anything remarkable or just uh, heathenistic that was just um, no notable to write down and say, man, this guy was evil. And maybe that's not how you lived your life. But I'll tell you what, your life was bad enough for Jesus to go to the cross for us. And that's pretty bad. Can you say amen? That's pretty bad. But I'm glad he did. Hallelujah. I'm glad he did.
and he came to purchase us by the power of his blood and pushed our yesterday far behind us and our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Let us be thankful this Thursday for our forgotten past. When you sit at that table, if you're the one that is initiating the prayer, remind everyone at the table as you pray, say, Lord, thank you for our forgotten past. But we stand righteous before you because of the work of Christ. Secondly, today, because of your present condition, because of your present day, what you're going through. You see, the Lord promised the people of Israel, as he forgot their past, he promised to maintain his relationship with him, with them in the present. The Lord promised to make an investment in their life on a daily basis. He promised them that on a daily basis, he would begin to fashion them and to begin to change them and transform them into the citizens of that holy city that they were to inherit and be worthy of that citizenship. Genesis 12 and 2, you may remember what the Lord said. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. This is God saying, listen, what I've done for you right now is one thing. But I'm making a covenant with you, a commitment to stay with you because I know you're not going to get it right. How many know that God is right? He knew I wasn't going to get it right. He knew the people of Israel were not going to get it right. If you read history and scripture, you'll find that many times they messed up over and over and over. And this is why the Lord made that promise. I'm going to stay with you because I know you're going to mess up tomorrow. And when we came to Christ and we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, that same covenant agreement that God made to those people, he has made with us. Remember the Lord Jesus said, Lord, I am with you till the end of the age. Remember the Lord said, when he said, I will never leave you as orphans. It was the Lord said, I will walk alongside you like a mighty warrior. Why did he say these things? Because he knew, ladies and gentlemen, and all of us in this place, we're bound to brush our shoulders with things that we shouldn't. We're bound to go and experience things in our lives as our character is being built, as our emotions are being conditioned, as our walk and decisions and convictions are being molded. God would have to walk with us on a daily basis. I'm so thankful that sometimes when in my mind or in my uh, actions or whatever it might be, might be rubbing against things that God would not appreciate. He reminds me by the voice of his spirit, hey, I'm fashioning you into a citizen of heaven. This is why I promised I would walk alongside you all this time. He knows that we were going to mess up. You see, Abraham walked with God, the Bible says. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God, the Bible says. The Bible says of the church that those who are his children will walk in step with his spirit. You see, God walking alongside with us is so important and such a great reason to be thankful. I'm so thankful, ladies and gentlemen, that God walks with me. I'm so thankful and you should be so thankful.
that he walks alongside you on a daily basis. He's right there with you right now. When you leave, he will travel with you. You know, you didn't have to make it to church today. Hello? You didn't have to make it to church today, but you did. Why? Because he was there. You don't have to make it home after service, but you will because he's there. You may not even see Thanksgiving this coming Thursday, but you will because he's there. It's a great thing to know that God walks alongside us. Now, some of us very rebel because sometimes we want to purposely mingle with things that don't agree. But you know what's so awesome about God? That he's stubborn about us. And even when you say, I'm not going to listen to what you're saying, he's going to be there to pester you. I'm here to tell you that there's somebody in this house that hasn't even been able to backslide properly. You've never been able to walk away with God in peace because you'll always come back. And that's how much God loves you. Can you say amen? That's how much God loves you. You cannot backslide with decency. You can't backslide like the woman you say you are. You can't backslide at the big giant man that you think you are. Your knees always bend. God will always grab you by the neck of your heart and shake you. I'm not coming back. I'm leaving church for real. And the week and the month, Lord. And the Lord will have been expecting you like that prodigal son. He'll always leave the light on. You see, these people knew that God was with them. We must know that God is with us. He is presently with us on a daily basis. They can mean a lot. This can really do a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, cause a lot of changes in the life of a believer because you see, if you knew that God was with you, some, we would not do the things that we do sometimes. We wouldn't make the excuses that we make sometimes for not going to church. I better change the subject here. We wouldn't make those excuses. Because you'll know you're lying. I was going to go, man, but I had to take my dog to the vet. He's closed on Sundays. Um, I have special key. Now, he knows when we don't come to church and why we don't come to church. If you just knew that he was there with you, you might change your mind and say, well, there's nothing I can say. He's not going to believe me, so I better go. But it's a good thing because when he's there, his protection is always there. His love is always there. His power is always there. This is why the Bible says to us in Ephesians 2 and 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built on a foundation. He's with us. We are his family. Every single one of us is his family, and God is still working on us. This is why we are told never to judge each other. Because of the different levels we might be in our spiritual walk, don't you ever start judging somebody because they are more in your mind or in your eyes more immature than they. See, God hasn't left them either. He's still working on them. Turn around and tell your neighbor, he's still working on me. Don't look at me with those judgmental eyes. 
Even those who are having trouble coming to church on a regular basis, he's still working on them. Don't you worry. They'll be in here. They'll be at church worshiping the Lord on a constant basis. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The Lord never leaves the job half done. Can you say amen? And thirdly this morning, thankful for tomorrow. They were thankful that, that yesterday was forgotten. They were thankful that what, what, was God, what God was doing with them today. But they were also super excited and thankful about their tomorrow, their future in the Lord. You see, when they left their slavery, the people of Israel did, they were told that they were going to go to a specific place prepared by God for them. God had prepared Canaan for them. It was the promised land as we come to know it. And this journey was for them to be a joyful journey on their way because I, I'm sure that for some of them, and though we know the story sadly how they rebelled along the way, that'll tell you how we are in the flesh and how easily we can turn away from receiving that promise ever. We need to be careful with that. But what I'm saying is that they were supposed to drive and walk through that place joyful, making plans for their new home. And it's the same thing for us. For them, it was a land that flowed of milk and honey, a place where they could rule along with the king, in that place where they could have airship and ownership, where they would have a personal address. See, they never had a personal address. They never received any mail. They never got anything. They were just living in huts, just squatters around Egypt, abused by Pharaoh. But now when they came to Canaan, it was going to belong to them. I began to talk to you uh, just a few weeks ago or make mention at least about Caleb and, and Joshua and how after 80 years, Josh, uh, Caleb came to Joshua claiming his particular piece of property. You know why? That promise that the, he was talking about was given to the people of Israel when they left Egypt. And did you know that you and I are a people of promise? Did you know that the moment that you were saved, <sighs> hmm. moment you were saved, you became somebody. You became somebody. The devil had you as a nobody. He abused you. You thought you were doing all that, but you were straight on your way to hell without Christ. You had nothing to look forward to, even though you were looking for graduating from college, buying that million-dollar home, like buying that Ferrari, or having a huge bank account, doing this or the other, and I'm going to conquer the world, I'm going to travel the world. All those things that you were dreaming of are nothing. Nothing compared to what you inherited when you came to Christ. The Bible says that I have not seen, 
nor ear has heard, nor has it ever sat upon the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Even we've heard stories of people that have gone to the third heaven. Uh, there's people out there who said, I, I bond, I've been to heaven. It's an impossibility to me to believe. I believe this. Sometimes people will die and have some kind of extra uh, out-of-body experience or whatever. I, I can't question that. But if the Bible says that you cannot imagine and you have never seen the things that God has prepared, it simply means you have never seen and you have no idea of what God has prepared for those of us who love him. Or else it would not be a surprise. Otherwise you'd be used as, uh, as a guide. I'd come and show them what it is. Oh, remember that quarter? Yeah, go over there. And show them everything in heaven because you've been there. But the Bible says no one has ever seen. No one has ever experienced the beauty of the inheritance of the saints. These people were only spoken to. They had never seen anything like what they had been promised. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I have never seen anything like what we have been promised as we came to the Lord. That's something to be excited about. Kind of like sitting even better at Christmas when you have this big old box in front of you. You want to shake it. You want to smell it. You want to pick it out to see if it weighs anything. The anxiety of, of anticipation is just getting you. You want to open it. That's the kind of similar feeling we all should feel about our tomorrow. You'll never be able to lift it. You'll never be able to shake it. You may never be able to smell it. But you see, you can anticipate something great when God said it's going to be great. It's kind of like when the Lord said that he rubbed his hands together. Oh, eyes have not seen. Oh, your ears have never heard. I don't care how much of a thinker you are, it's never sad on the, on the heart of the greatest thinkers of this world, those things that I have prepared for you because you love me. The people of Israel were excited, and ladies and gentlemen, this Thursday, as I begin to close, let us be thankful for heaven. Let us be thankful for heaven. When you sit at that table to thank the Lord for that meal, say, Lord, we thank you for forgetting our past. Thank you for being a willing, forgetful God that you've forgotten how I lived and who I was. And I'm thankful today because of what you're doing in my life right now. I'm being changed. I haven't got it all together like Paul said. I, I'm not saying that I've, been, I've gotten there, that I've arrived. But I'm thankful that just the promise of you saying that you will walk with me, there is hope for me. Because every time I mess up, you'll always be there to reshape me and to position me and keep me on the way to my joyful tomorrow in you. Thank you for heaven. That's my new address pretty soon. I won't be living on 17 and a half in sugar. I'm going to be living on that street of gold. You won't have to go to Fiesta, Texas to get in the water. The Bible says there is a sea of glass. 
You're not going to try to find a good place to eat on Sunday because there, there's going to be a tree of fruit that's going to give you life all day. To be thankful. Let us be thankful. Let us be thankful that because of salvation and the salvation we have found in God, there will never be a thanksgiving. You won't have something to be thankful for. We just stand to your feet with me. The Lord wants us to remember what's up ahead for us. You know, some of them may be excited, and that's a good reason, because this coming week, many of us are receiving families to come and, and join us, people that we haven't seen that live out of state or out of town. Or maybe you're traveling somewhere to go sit down and have a meal with loved ones you haven't seen till, since last Thanksgiving or Christmas or what have you. Some of us are just thankful and excited that we're getting a day off from this hard work that we have. All that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you may be thankful because this is the only chance during the year you get a chance to eat cranberry sauce. Or a chance to eat stuffing. What time is it? A chance to eat that special, special meal or food that your wife makes or that broccoli and cheese my daughter makes yikes those are good things to be excited for but God wants us to be excited about him yes be excited about him you know there's a scripture book of Jeremiah that tells us and reminds us, let not the strong man boast in his strength, nor the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who must boast boast in this, that he knows me. <laughs> oh, man. You may have a lot of possessions in this world, good for you. You've worked hard. You've labored hard. You've got a nice car, nice house, good bank account. You dress well. You're healthy. All these things. Thank you. But you know what you'll never be able to replace? Some of you bought a house years ago and you loved it and then you sold it off for nothing to buy another one. You bought a car that was so shiny that was you at that moment, but after three or four years you traded it in and got another one. You see, the things of this world are passing. Passing, diamonds are passing, and all these things are passing. And it's good to get excited when you're going to get something. It's good to get excited because you've accomplished great things in this world. I applaud you. But one thing you'll never be able to replace is the God that saved you. He never loses his luster. He never loses his value. He doesn't depreciate. He's never part of the stock market. He's never part of this world's economy. 
He doesn't diminish like the dollar bill in America. He never gets a bad name. He never gets thrown to the back of the burner and sold at a garage sale. You'll never be able to replace the God that saved you. Hallelujah. Ever. You'll never replace him. You'll never be able to barter him off for something else. You'll never be able to trade him off. Shame on us if we ever put him under the mattress at home. See, because a God like God we serve is irreplaceable. He's unmatchable. <laughs> he has no rival. He stands and he stands alone. There is no other like him. And what he has promised you, he alone can fulfill. What he has offered you, he alone will provide. He doesn't speak a word and not fulfill it. Every promise we have received from the Most High will come to pass. Hallelujah. Everyone. Oh, we are the most thankful people we should be in this world. If they ever asked you, has your investment of your life ever diminished? You say, no, he's still paying the highest dividends. He's still paying the highest dividends. My investment isn't in New York. My investment isn't in this or the other. My investment is in him. And he makes sure that my investment is earning the best dividends you could ever earn in this can you say amen? Somebody should be shouting right about now. Somebody should be shouting right about now. Somebody should be dancing right about now. Hallelujah. Hey, we've got a lot to be thankful for. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Our God does not diminish, depreciate, wither out. He's not subject to the elements. He's not subject to time. He holds time in his hand. <laughs> oh, he's no subject to the thoughts of men and what they value him as worth. He holds humanity in the palm of his hand. The strongest men will melt in their knees at the presence of the Almighty that we serve. They will melt. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful for Him. Not only today, not only, oh, I'm preparing to be thankful Thursday. No. You be thankful now. Because He is the God of now. 
He is the God of the present. Let us speak for him. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.